Great to be back together um, after an amazing weekend. Like, like it, uh, yeah, I was blown away by just everything from the, the students, the uh, edge, and the teams. We all got together on Wednesday and uh, got to hear a great lesson by the Flemings um, about how God is good, and, and that just sort of kicked right off. It, uh, it was amazing, and then Friday night having communion together was so special. Uh, then Saturday going on the canal boats and, and then having dinner all together on, uh, on Saturday night was amazing. And, and I heard that everyone who said they were going to the dinner went. <laughs> that normally doesn't happen. Normally something will come up, and, but, but everyone was together. And it, I think it's such a fitting uh, weekend for really our theme for the year, which is together. Um, so it was an awesome time. I just really want to uh, just say thank you to, to everyone who was involved. Uh, I'm not going to start listing off names because I will forget someone. But, but I just want to thank you so much for you guys coming together and making the weekend so amazing. It was so impacting. Um, and you guys did such a great job. And so I just really want to thank you guys for that. Um, and just, uh, I know Tia and I feel very special that we got to be with you guys for your 30th anniversary. It was very special. And uh, just thank you so much for that. It's a little empty today, isn't it? Now, I don't know what that has to do with... I don't know. I know, look, the students, I know the students are all up in Leicester. They've got um, a student-led service up there. So the students have gone up to encourage them and uh, support them, which is awesome. And just seeing that sort of inter-church unity and uh, encouragement. So that's great. There's that and um, obviously the Vassells. The Vassells are in Ireland uh, with the church in Dublin and Belfast. Um, but I don't know. Half term as well. People are away. I hope it's those reasons. I, I hope. Because today we're carrying on in the book of Luke. And we're up to chapter 11, right near the very end. And if you've been reading along ahead, you'll know we're up to the woe of the Pharisees. And I hope it's not that reason that you guys, as a people, have not wanted to come. I hope it's not that reason. But, um,. Uh, but, but before we jump in, if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, verse 37, um, and the title of the lesson today is The Inner Life. The Inner Life. Um, I've got a quick announcement for you. Uh, so the Father of Daughter Dance and Dessert is on the 14th of July. That's coming up, so um, please sort of get ready for that. Have that on your heart and mind. Um, but also, and a quick announcement from Keith, anyone who wants to be involved in the planning, of that, any ideas, helping out, uh, please see Keith. Um, he'll be up the back at the end of service, so please go see him, um, and uh, and that would be great if we could help out with that. Um, awesome. So uh, we'll start in verse thirty-seven, and uh, we'll just get straight into it. it. Says when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. 
Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs. But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you! Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God, is in, in his wisdom, said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you experts in the law, because you've taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you've hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely, and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might Say, Amen. Great, uh, great passage, I guess. No, it is a great passage. It, um, it's interesting. I, I think this is a passage that so often we read and we think, "Yeah, wow, these guys are really messed up." And or we we start to think of people in mind. Yes, that yes, that is so true. But but really, this is a time for all of us to to take a look at ourselves. To take a look at our inner life. What goes on inside. And, and the context of this passage is what we studied about three weeks ago when Mohan was here. Um, and uh, in verse 34 of chapter 11, it says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you isn't darkness. And it's a bit of a confusing passage, and Mohan did an amazing job of going through and really uh, pulling out really what this means, this idea of how can light be darkness. And again, obviously, it's this, it's this idea that darkness is, the Greek word brings this idea of, of evil, that, that yes, there's this, this light inside of us, but that can become dark. That can become evil. And, and so it's, it's with this this in mind that, that we enter into this scene with the Pharisees and experts of the law. And, and the Pharisees, there's been a lot of study done as to where the Pharisees came from. Um, and, and the most common thought is, is that they came uh, about 200 years before Jesus' uh, Jesus' time, throughout the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it was a time when Greece was trying to uh, kind of do what Rome did, this Pax Romana, but they tried to spread their Greek culture throughout the whole world. And they did a pretty good job. Except for the Jews. They did not want to take on the Greek culture at all. 
And so you had the Maccabeans, and they revolted. Revolted, that's a weird way to say it. They revolted. They revolted, and, and they uh, said, no, 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 we are going to hold on to our religious purity. And from that, the Jews started to celebrate Hanukkah. It was the festival of lights. That, that they were to be a light to the nations. And that's where the Pharisees came from, this tradition of, of being a light to the nations. And so when, when Jesus says, be careful that your light doesn't become darkness, okay, this is being connected to something that they were meant to be, but they weren't. And, and this can be very sobering thought for us too, that we are meant to be the light to the world. And we even think that we are, I'm sure. Like, if you're a sub of the stream, you think, Amen. We're lights. But Jesus is saying, be careful that that light doesn't become darkness. Be careful. Because we can have a tendency to be more concerned with the outside appearance than the inside. And even in a sense, wanting to be a light externally, yet internally, there's darkness. And so really this is the, the context for this and, and here we see G, uh, a Pharisee invite Jesus over for dinner and at first it seems like it's going to be like a one-on-one dinner because he invited a Pharisee to have dinner with him and, but later on we kind of find out no, there was more people there, there was experts of the law and we don't know exactly but this was not a private meal. Many others gathered and, uh, and again Jesus was the guest so he would have eaten first. Uh, that was the tradition and, and so as he begins to eat everyone's watching and what do they see? he, he didn't wash his hands and, and they freak out don't they? not necessarily externally they're just surprised they don't say anything but they're surprised and, and this wasn't just a matter of like cleanliness this was a matter of ceremonial law that, that they had that before a man would eat food he would need to wash. And it was actually, they even took it a step further that in between each course you would have to wash. So it was this intense, and, and the, the crazy thing was, it, was, it wasn't just like you go to a tap and wash your hands, they would get these like, stone vessels that had special water in them set aside just for this, they didn't want to use unclean water. And they would, they would first take it and they would pour the water. It, had, it was very precise. They would get enough water to fill one and a half eggshell. One and a half eggshell. I don't know why that, but for some reason that was one of the things they did. Again, very precise. We need to be doing this all right. And then they would put that in the stone vessel and, and they would pour it. They would pour it from the top of the wrist down. And then they would get the other hand. Sorry, then they would get that hand and they would rub that in the other hand to wash the inside of that. They would do the same for this hand, to that hand. And then they would again get more water and they would not just do it that way, but they would do it that way. (coughs) How they ever came up with that, I don't know. But that's what they did. And and you think, no wonder Jesus didn't want to wash his hands. He was probably hungry. Let's get down. Like, it's going to take forever. But... But they were obsessed with this. The Pharisees, Pharisees, they would even say, obviously it's not in the Bible, but tradition would say, the Pharisees would say, bread eaten with unwashed hands was as good as eating excrement. That you wouldn't even touch it. And so you kind of get their view of, they see Jesus and they freak out. And it reminded me of, of a TV show. 
It's my favourite TV show. It's called Seinfeld. Does anyone watch that in England? Oh, that's yes. <laughs> I love it. It's um, and and there's one scene where where Jerry is um is dating this girl and her her dad owns this Italian restaurant. And um, actually, let's hope. I didn't plug this up to sound. Hopefully, it'll work. Um, so it's it's a scene and just sort of watch on. Uh-oh. Maybe I can just really quickly try this. Sorry for the technical difficulty. Uh, bear with us one second. Oops. We're just a big family today, you know. It's, it's chill, it's... Maybe this won't work either. Well, this will be very sad. This doesn't work. I'm so sorry. I'll explain it to you guys. Basically, Jerry is dating this girl and he goes to the bathroom and he's washing his hands there and then out comes Poppy, her dad, who's the owner of the restaurant. And he comes out and he's got his apron on and he comes out of one of the stores. And, and he comes out and... And he's fixing up his collar, looking at he's fixing up his hair, and he's like, Jerry, he's like, tonight I'm gonna make you a special pizza. And Jerry's like, oh, okay, great. And then he sort of he keeps fixing up his thing, and then he sort of just he just walks out. And there's this scene of Jerry sort of he stops and and he looks at, at the, the toilet cubicle, he looks at the, the water and he's like and he freaks out and he walks back to the table to where his girlfriend, the daughter, just like horrifies. And he sits down and she's like, is everything okay? You look like you've seen a ghost. And he he just doesn't know what to say. (laughs) And he looks up at Poppy and there's Poppy with the dough, kneading it, just getting right into it, looking at Jerry, raising his eyebrows. (laughs) And he's just horrified. (laughs) And then again he comes up with the pizza and he's... And they're all looking at Jerry, they're like, try to try to be just, no, no, no. And it's this hilarious scene, hopefully I've painted a good enough picture of it. But we as people care about hygiene. We really do, and that's fair enough. We would all freak out in that moment. But, but if, you, if you know Seinfeld, you know that it's about four single people who are all pretty selfish. Basically, the final episode is them watching this guy get robbed, and not just not doing anything, but filming it and laughing. They were selfish people. Now, the show made comedy of it, but I think it, it, it parallels what's going on here. Jerry's so concerned about hygiene, the outside, but yet never concerned about the inside. Never concerned about that inner life. And, and again, to, to the Pharisees, what well, we get this idea of what this must have been like. But that's our society. Our society says, don't worry about the inside, worry about the outside. And to Jesus, he views this as foolish. And this brings us to our first point, foolish. Jesus called this foolish behaviour. He even says that, he says in verse 39, Now then you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. 
We said, you, yeah, you foolish people. Disciple makes it funny. Jesus doesn't think it's funny. And it's interesting because the Pharisees, again, they don't say anything. They just act surprised. But Jesus has a way of going beyond that and getting to people's hearts like no one else can. The Pharisees clean the outside of the cup, but he says, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. And and you think about the situation, it really is foolish. No one would, you're thirsty, you go to the kitchen to to get a drink and and all the the cups are dirty and so you reach into the sink and, and you pull out a cup and it looks like that. Everyone is going to clean the inside. You also clean the outside, but mainly the inside. No one would ever clean the outside and say, well, good enough, I'm really thirsty, let's get to it. No, no no one does that. It's foolish. Yet, as people, we have a massive temptation to clean the outside. Everything's okay, I'm all good, don't worry. Yet inside, we're full of dirt. Inside, we're, we're full of mess. And we care so much about what everyone else sees, yet not what Jesus sees. And he sees that and he says, that's foolish. And that brings us to our next point, which, which is inviting Jesus for lunch. And this is something that, that we have to do. And I think you imagine it. Imagine having Jesus over for lunch. Think how exciting that would be. And, and there's even a verse that sort of depicts this in Revelation 3.20. It says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And we hear that and we say, Amen. Come on in. But then when we read it in context, this isn't just a nice little meal. This is because you are lukewarm. Neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and you do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes, so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It is a very encouraging end to the scripture. But having lunch with Jesus isn't just a nice little meal. It's it's getting to our hearts. It's getting to our hearts. That, That when you invite Jesus over, you better buckle up. Because he will get to your heart. Jesus, that's where Jesus goes for. He knows what's really going on. He knows that, that the Pharisees and experts of the law have neglected what is most important. And in, and in verse 43, Jesus accused them of, of wanting to be seen as special. Right? He, he says... Um, He says, you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. The chief seats, they were seats actually like, not like there, they were seats like up here. And they would sit and face everyone. 
And so you're constantly being looked at. And it was seen as the seat of royalty, the, the seat of honour. And they, they really cared about being in those seats. Um, they didn't let anyone else sit there, that's for sure. And then he talks about how they, they loved being greeted in the marketplace. When they would go to the marketplace, people would come and say, Greetings, Rabbi. Wow, how amazing are you? And they ate that stuff up. They ate it up. And then in verse 44, he, he then goes on as well and, and he calls them unmarked graves. And now graves back in the day, that's an unmarked grave, there are no gravestones. Just a bit of grass and, and some bones buried underneath. And, and so they would use graves or, tomb, or tombstones to signify that there was someone buried there. Because as some of you may know, that if you walked over a dead person, you were considered unclean for seven days. Which meant you couldn't worship God in the temple, you couldn't... There was a whole bunch of things you were restricted from doing. So they wanted to know, so they wouldn't be made unclean. And in fact, another way that they did this was they would even whitewash tombs. So they'd whitewash tombs, they would make them really bright and stand out. So that people could could really see them. And Jesus even uses that to describe them in another passage as well. He says, you guys are whitewashed tombs. Pretty on the outside, but dead man bones on the inside. Here, he doesn't even say that. He says, you aren't even whitewashed tombs, you're worse. You're unmarked graves. At least as a whitewashed tomb, people can, can see you and stay away. So here... People have no idea that they're even walking over dead man's bones. And you think, wow, Jesus really lays it on out here. This, this idea that, that, that people don't even know that there are dead bones inside. That this is the, the definition of a hypocrite, really. Is, is you hide what's beneath the surface. That on the surface it looks all fine, but, but, but inside there is, there is mess. And this is, this is something that we, we all need to come to and humbly look at our hearts. Because we are all tempted to want to cover things up, every single one of us, from time to time. Are, are we unmarked graves? Are, we act like everything's okay, yet beneath the surface is spiritual death. The, the solution is, is don't hide. Get, get open about this sin in your life. Don't act like nothing is wrong. Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus doesn't want us to hide. He, he wants us to get open and to let Jesus come into our hearts for lunch. To come in and clear out that mess. So Jesus is getting intense here. And then in verse 45, one of the experts of the law goes, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And you just think, what, man, what are you doing? I can imagine the other experts of the law saying, Be quiet, shut up. He's focused on the Pharisees. What are you doing? And, and Jesus goes, yeah, and you experts of the law. And he goes on and then he challenges them. 
And but the way this expert of law kind of says it, he's kind of like, you must be mistaken. Why are you saying these things? We're we're okay. What are you talking about? How can you say such things? We are deeply offended. And really, the challenge for us is, is again to invite Jesus into our hearts, to to have the right attitude when He does expose some of that sin. When he exposes what's really going on. When the the word of God is opened up and it penetrates our heart. To to even ask God, expose (coughs) religious hypocrisy within me. That we we should be more concerned about, about being humble, getting that stuff out, than looking good. That we should be willing to, to let other people also come into our lives with the word of God. And let people speak the truth to us. Guys, again, we don't, so often we don't see our own mess. We need each other. That's so, that's so much of what being together is all about. Is that we help each other. That we can see each other. That we can use each other to get clarity. Again, do we get outraged when people maybe challenge us? What are you saying? Hey, I don't like the way you said that. What you said is not 100% true, so I'm not going to listen to any of it. Amen. Like, we're not going to get it right. Not all of it will be right, but, but when you care about the inner life, more about the appearance, you'll search for a bit of truth in that. What can I learn from this? What can I learn? Again, I think when what if what if when he got challenged, the response is different. Ouch, that that hurts Jesus. But you know what? I, I appreciate it. You're right. I do need to dig deeper. You're right. I do. I do care about where I sit and what people see of me. I do care what people's opinions are of me. You're right. I, I do. I do care about legalistic religious activities more than loving people. I do get, I get so tired from tithing every small herb and yet I neglect love and justice. You're right. Imagine what the, the outcome would have been. What an amazing lunchtime this would have been for. Let's let that be for us. That when we come to God, that, that our lunch times, our quiet times, our times in God's Word, our times with one another, that we don't leave fiercely opposed, insulted, but that we can leave with our insides cleaned out. That's, that's what it's all about. And that brings us to our, our final point, which is make the inside clean. Make the inside clean. And in uh, verse 40... Uh, he, again, he says, he says, you foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? And Jesus is really appealing here to creation. That, that isn't it obvious that the person who made the inside, God, made the cup, also made the, the outside. And it's just a simple truth that, you think, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. But, but it's, it's a very powerful truth. 
that, that we can't divide inside-outside. So often those two become separated. They become separated and, and, and we don't realise. We don't realise. And I think it's, it's kind of like uh, water and oil. That, that when water and oil, when you pour these two things into a cup, they actually separate due to density. And, and I'm, I'm not a huge science guy, but, but you guys know that. They, they separate. And, and this can happen with our spiritual lives. Our inner life and our outer life, they separate. And, and you know what? We need to let Jesus come in and shake things up and get it mixed back up together again. That we need that. That over time it separates. If we're not letting Jesus in to keep shaking up that spiritual life. That's what we need. And again, how do we do this? How do we clean the insides? How do we mix this outer life and inner life so that they're one and not separate? I've got a couple of thoughts here from, from the scriptures. And, uh, and the first one is we have to be sensitive. We have to have concern for others. Be sensitive for the concern of others. In verse 41... He says, but now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Be generous to the poor. And, and this, this all has to do with this, this, being generous to the poor has to do with this Greek word, which some of the literal translations translated as alms. Alms, alms. And which basically just means showing mercy. Showing mercy. How do we make the insides clean? By not always focusing on ourselves. By focusing on others. By caring for the poor. By, and, and this isn't just restricted to the poor, this giving up. This is, this is giving to needs around us that we see. That, that's how we make the insides clean. By caring more about others than just always thinking about ourselves. And I think it even has applications of, of obviously, uh, further up it talked about tithing. And, and Jesus actually says, he goes, not that you should have stopped tithing, that's, that's a good thing. He goes, but, but you've missed out on something much more important than just that. And in the same way, I think we can, we can tithe, which is awesome, we can give to the church. And, and, but, but do we, outside of this room, are we willing to sacrifice time or money to help each other in need? Do we have the, the, the poor on our hearts? Or is it just this religious activity of maybe straightening the, the bag or just a click on the internet? And, and that's a great thing. We don't stop doing that, but, but is that all it is? And it doesn't engage our hearts. We need to have compassion and sympathy on others as an act of kindness to our fellow human beings. And, and secondly, we, another way to, to really clean the insides out is, is carrying each other's burdens. And Luke 11 verse 46 says, You load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. And this sort of has two, two parts here, this idea of them loading people up with burdens, which was them creating all these extra rules. And it, and it came from a an initial good heart. They really cared about the law. They didn't want people to break it. So they wanted to create a fence to make sure that didn't happen. And I guess we call that boundaries. And, and amen, we, we all have boundaries with different things, with relationships, with whatever. And, and those aren't bad things, but, 
But what the issue here was is that they weren't just making boundaries for themselves. They were making these rules for everyone. And they were so strict. I won't go into them for time, but it had to do with you couldn't carry something unless you carried it in the fold of your elbow or you carried it in your ear or, or held on by hair. or it, it, it just was madness. And people got stuck in the rigidness of religiosity and forgot the love of God and love of people. And we too need to be careful of this. That, that we, as, as we, we desire to follow Jesus, as we desire to, to stick to the Bible, amen, let's, let's have boundaries for ourselves, amen, that's great, but, but we've got to be careful that we don't start forcing that on other people. That our expectations and our views, if they're not necessarily in the Bible, that we don't force that on other people. That is something we need to be very careful of. But then the next part is, is the fact that, that, amen, okay, they put these burdens in place, but they didn't even lift one finger to help. And, and this is sort of linked to this Galatians 6 verse 2. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That burdens come our way. Actual burdens, whether it be sickness, relationship issues, raising our children to be faithful. That could be a burden. Having a great marriage at times, that can be a burden as well. Being trapped in sin. Times of financial despair. Those are all burdens. And we need to say, you know what? I'm not going to be concerned about how I look. I'm going to be concerned about helping my brothers and sisters carry their burdens. Actually going out of our way to, to look for that. that. That's the way that we clean the inside. That's the way that that this church will truly be together. That we help one another with our burdens. And I think it is amazing that we have these relationships in the church. In the world, you rarely find this. In fact, people are, are, are resorted solely to having to pay someone to help them. Which I mean, there's definitely a place for that and that's an awesome thing, but, but we have that and we have each other as well. That we actually, it's not just a job, but we care for one another, we love one another. We're right there beside each other, carrying each other's burdens. How special that is, but we need to make sure we don't lose that in becoming religious. And Then also, we, we, need to, uh, we need relationships that tell us the truth. Uh, in Luke chapter 11 verse 47 it said you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them and he goes on and he talks about a few different things here but but imagine this idea of, of well this is so special having people that tell us the truth but imagine if you had no one that ever told you the truth <laughs> ever some of you may actually think that sounds so great some of you who are married might say, if my wife stopped telling me the truth, life would be so great. No, not you guys. You guys are awesome. But, uh, but no, that would be terrible if we didn't have someone that told us the truth. But in fact, that's what these experts of the law were doing. That, that they were setting up these tombs and it was honouring the prophets, but the only prophets they honoured were the dead ones. They had a living one right with them and they hated him. And he's saying, and all your ancestors, when they were alive, killed them. 
And this idea that the only prophets you guys like are ones that don't speak. And that's not a prophet at all. And we need to make sure that we don't have that in this fellowship. That, that we don't kill the prophets in our fellowship. That we make sure that we, each of us, is a messenger, a prophet. People who speak the truth in love. That, 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 we, that we don't shut people out who are telling us the truth. As hard as that can be at times. But, but that we, we listen. And we say, amen, if this is a biblical truth, let me listen. Let me listen. Do we only like those who are silent towards our spiritual lives? Man, we need to make sure that is not in this church. But we need to go after those who will speak the truth. Who will speak the truth. And, and finally, we need to let God's word have impact. And there are so many great scriptures on this. And Hebrews 4 verse 12, which you will all know quite well, I'm sure, is, describes it as sharper than any double-edged sword. That, that it gets down right inside. Nothing is hidden. Just how powerful that word is. It gets right down to our inner life. But then, in, in, back in Luke chapter 11, verse 52, it, it actually says, Woe to you experts in the law, because you've taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you've hindered those who were entering. And now the experts of the law were thought to uh, have had the keys to knowledge. That they were experts. They were supposed to unlock the truth in God's word and help apply it to people's lives. They didn't do that though. They made it so convoluted, so confusing. They, Instead of unlocking it and bringing it to the surface, they piled on top so much other rubbish that you couldn't even see God's word anymore. They had the, the Mishnah, the Talmud, all these, these books that were like 30, 40 times longer than the Word of God. Just on how to live this out. And, and so people didn't even go to God's Word in the end. And, and they, they were no longer being what they were meant to be, which was a key to unlock God's Word to the people. Yeah. They weren't unlocking the Scripture for God's people. And the Word of God wasn't having an impact. And then in verse 49 of this scripture, it, it talks about this idea of, um, of the wisdom of God. In verse 49 it says, uh, Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. And it's this idea of the wisdom of God. That the wisdom of God was, I'm going to send people to speak the truth to them. If these experts in the law won't do it, I will send them. Yes, they will be killed. Yes, they will be persecuted. But at least someone will unlock the truth. Yeah. At least someone will be that key. And, and then in 2 Timothy 3.15, it actually says, and, from, and how from infancy, as Paul talking to Timothy, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That, that God's Word is what gives us wisdom makes us wise for salvation. It unlocks the truth. And, and the fact is that, that we actually, as disciples, hold that key. That we too are meant to unlock that for others. So that they then can know God's word. 
And then, then they can then go and pass that on also. And, and we, we see this, this idea of a key unlocking truth in Matthew 16 when, when uh, Jesus gives Peter the keys to the kingdom. And then in Acts 2, he does exactly that. He opens the kingdom and he reveals how people need to be made right with God. Repentance and baptism. And, and so, who are we? God has given each of us the keys to unlock what it means to follow God. That, that we, we are able to explain what really matters in life. Not the outward appearance, not security from the world, not what people think, but the inner life. What God thinks. That, that that is what really matters. That is how we're made clean. That is how we are set free. And our mission is to make Jesus known. And again, the, the Pharisees and Esther as well, they, they weren't, Jesus obviously said, look, don't stop doing what you're doing. The, the good things you're doing are great, but, but you've got to focus on the inside. And so, church, let's not stop doing some of the good things that we're doing. But let's take a long, hard look at our hearts and make sure that, that inside we're cleaning those out. And, and we're about to take communion and, and what a better time to do that than now. As we, we fix our eyes on the cross. As we see what Jesus has done for us then and what he keeps doing for us. And, and we need to say, through Jesus' sacrifice, I can be made clean. I can be made clean. And, and, and so let's invite Jesus into our hearts for lunch. And be prepared to hear what Jesus has to say. Let's let the prophets who come to us in our lives, the messengers who bring God's word, let's, let's listen. Let's not shut them out. Let's get shaken up. Let's make sure that we shake that, that inner and outer life so that they are one. And let's let the cross do exactly that for us right now. So that our hearts can be made clean. Amen.